When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, what is going on? A lot of news. A lot of news since we talked last Tom Mm -hmm. Thursday. Last Tomlin press conference of the season, and uh, I felt like a lot of good updates, a lot of a lot of newsiness, and just I felt like a, a rather uh, elaborative version of Mike Tomlin in today's press conference. That's what I wanted to start there and ask you about before we get into the actual things that were said. Just from that perspective, it just I don't know what it was, but it felt just like a different type of Mike Tomlin press conference. And I've seen like some other because I, I was looking for media perspective on this before even talking to you. I saw like Mark Caboli say the same thing. Jerry Dulac said it just felt like a different vibe to a Mike Tomlin press conference as opposed to how they typically go. What was your thought just in that? Uh, my thought was he probably got yelled at. <laughs> like for yeah. what happened yeah, for him to open up the, uh, way he did the previous yeah. press conference when he just walked out he started with a i guess we'll call it an apology he said he could have handled it better uh yeah i mean it sure seemed like there was a, a message delivered there as i expected there might be okay all right. Well, yeah, that's that's good perspective to add to. But uh, yeah, you mentioned there's a lot to get into here. A lot of things. I want to talk about the thing that I was most excited about first and foremost, Alan, okay. is offensive coordinator uh, being addressed. Obviously, we knew that that was going to come up, but we've talked about it like we didn't feel like there was a candidate on the staff. Obviously, full credit to Mike Sullivan and Eddie Faulkner for what they were able to do after the team moved on from Matt Canada for the rest of the season. But like realistically, it's like a long-term plan at offensive coordinator. They didn't have somebody on the staff. But until I heard Mike Tomlin say the words that he did today about looking for an external candidate, that li- that fear was going to be in my mind. So I'm glad that that got addressed today with him saying they were going to look outside of the organization for an offensive coordinator. I can't wait till I see, like I've already seen other teams obviously meeting with guys. I can't wait till I start seeing those tweets about the Steelers meeting with some offensive coordinator candidates. Yeah, and not only external offensive coordinator candidates, external offensive coordinator candidates with experience, which is the one thing that I feel like we, I've said a thousand times on this podcast, that there was the big thing that was missing with Matt Canada is that you just did not have a feeling that he should be able to develop your quarterback. They need Mm -hmm. to get someone that has done it before, that you can say, look, if Kenny doesn't do it now, then it's Kenny. Like that is absolutely an essential part of this arrangement. So very, I think, um, like that's what I expected. But like you said, I guess it's good to hear it. Um, there was something in the offensive coordinator. We'll just stay here. There was there was a question asked that, um, you know, uh, who's gonna, you know, who will be involved in the hiring process? And Tomlin said, "Yeah, it'll be me, Omar, and Art." And I, I don't know. I saw some people like take that as newsworthy or meaningful, like. Hmm. That, that Tomlin doesn't have 
final say. Tomlin doesn't have final say on anything other than what he has for lunch. Like they operate as a team, those three guys. Like they're making decisions together all the time. I, I don't I don't I, I feel like there's this perception that Mike Tomlin is just doing his own thing all the time. This is not accurate. Art Rooney is very involved in the day-to-day operation of this team. Omar Khan is heavily involved. Like their their practice every day. Those guys every day. We sit there at the edge of the practice field and wait while Mike talks to Omar and Art after practice about what just happened. Like it is a it is a heavily involved group. There he's not just gonna go interview offensive coordinator candidates and not talk to those guys about it. Like that's just not how they operate. And and how much of that, Alan, do you think like people perceiving that to be the case plays into the way that people feel about Mike Tomlin and like the yeah, criticism he, that he gets? People, I like literally, you know, I heard people say, like, oh well. Tomlin hired Canada, so this is the group saying you don't get to do what you want this time. I was like, first of all, no, he didn't. Like the same Kevin Colbert, not Omar, but the same process led to Matt Canada being the offensive coordinator. They don't – the only person who ever has any – if you have ever said like, oh, well, somebody – it was somebody's decision they made it by themselves, the only person in the Steelers organization that's doing that is Art Rooney. No one else is just making decisions on their own without input Mm -hmm. feedback from that guy, from other people on the team. It's just not how they work. And, yeah, I think people have a strong misconceptions about the way Mike Tomlin and that team operates. I think a lot of it comes from uh, people that are of an older generation just assuming that things are like the way they were when Chuck Noll ran the team and he pretty much did whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's not how Mike Tomlin has ever operated. I mean, it's just not. And, uh, and I like, there, like there's people out there that are like, Oh, he will never hire a good assistant coach. Cause he has this ego and he has to be the smartest guy in the room. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He doesn't even want control that he doesn't have now that like a lot of other coaches do. I would, I would venture to say that Mike Tomlin has a below level, below average level of control over the entire organization compared to the average NFL head coach. Okay. Yeah. Um, speculating here, and we're going to obviously see a list of names when they start to bring in guys for interviews, but is there somebody or a couple people that based off the way, the, the map that they laid out there, what they're looking for in an offensive coordinator that kind of comes to mind for you? Uh, I think the names that really jumped out to me as like, okay, based on what you just said, these fit Pep Hamilton, Clint Kubiak and Daryl Beevil. I think were the three names that just immediately like without doing any research or really looking Mm -hmm. into it any more than that, just talking about guys with NFL experience from outside the organization, maybe Byron Leftwich too, I I guess you could put him in that group. Um, But those were the ones that really jumped, jumped out to me. Okay. And again, I don't want to go further than that. I just want to get some names because we don't know. We're going to see the guys they bring in and we can talk more about them. Well, we're going to talk about this when we talk about the quarterbacks, too, but I'm going to start mm-hmm. to dig into the OC candidates here this week and, and get us a big board together and then do some more digging about maybe some some combination fits that I think might work. Was there anything more that you want? Because we can go to the quarterback stuff now if there's not anything else with the offensive coordinator stuff that you wanted to talk about. Uh, no, I think that's I think that's good. 
Okay. So the quarterback situation, obviously we knew this was going to come up as well. Mason Rudolph's a free agent. Kenny Pickett will obviously back in tow, even though Mitch Trubisky currently under contract, uh, expect that they'll get out from that deal and Mitch Trubisky will not be back in 2024. Not mentioned so at all you- today. So uh, that should pretty much tell you everything you need to know about right. that. Right. Yeah, he's not part of their plans going forward. Um, but Kenny Pickett certainly seems like he is part of their plans going forward. They would like for Mason Rudolph to be back uh, as part of their plans moving forward. But they talked about creating competition. Now, to go from creating competition to also having Mason back, is Mason really that that competition that is being talked about there, those two competing for a QB1 in your mind? Yeah, I mean, look, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, and I talked about it extensively with Chris Carter on the Locked On Steelers podcast today. Um, I, I think, I just think it's messy with Mason, and it doesn't need to be. I'm not sure that he's the best option in terms of who's out there to be a quarterback to push Kenny Pickett. In fact, I know he's not. I mean, there there are better options, right? I mean, Kirk Cousins we talk about on this podcast a lot. Better option, clearly. Even if you don't want to spend that much money, I think. Most people would agree that a guy like, oh, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill is a better option, right? A guy like, uh, you know, even a guy like Jacoby Brissett is probably no worse than an equal option in terms of ability and does not come with the messiness that comes with Mason having been here and been Pickett's backup for the last two years uh, and also might have some experience with an offensive coordinator. We've been talking about that here for a while. I saw some other people picking up on that today as well. You know, it just, there's a lot of reasons to me to not, for it to not be Mason. And I don't see a lot of reasons for it to be Mason. Yeah, I, I think that's like my, like if Mason fits the bill for whatever reason, when you have the offensive coordinator in place, then fine. Maybe he could be the vet that's back. But like, until I know who the offensive coordinator is, I'm not just I'm not bringing back two thirds of the quarterback room and only leaving that one spot to be like a mid round draft pick or whatever uh, to be to rebuild the quarterback room with this offensive coordinator. And I and I basically tweeted that and I got some responses about it and people were saying like that's not really how it works. Like you don't just build a quarterback room around who your offensive coordinator is. And like I I, I like. Yes and no, I get it. But like, if there's a scenario in place, right, where you're talking about two thirds of the quarterback room that are either a free agent or you know aren't going to be back, and then Kenny Pickett, who has not proven himself to be the starting quarterback of this team yet, like that is the opportunity to do that, to reshape the quarterback room in the mold of whoever your offensive coordinator is and in his image. Well, I think here's the really important thing for me, right? You're going to get a new offensive coordinator with a completely new system, you're going to be yeah. teaching an entire offense a completely new system. Okay, mm-hmm. including Kenny Pickett. You are also probably going to have another quarterback, a young quarterback, a developmental piece, right? You're going to bring in. That other quarterback had either better be familiar with this system or just such a been there, done that pro who's been around forever and knows just about every offense enough to be able to pick it up on the fly where you can feel like you can spend, that offensive coordinator can spend all their time in OTAs, in minicamp, in training camp, trying to get Kenny Pickett ready to make an impact so that that, and and you can basically just ignore the second guy unless you need him, right? I mean, that's where I think you're at. You know, like it's, 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 if you're, if you're teaching two guys the offense, you're going to teach both of them less well as if you only have to teach one of them. That's why 
the Indianapolis Colts went out and got Gardner Minshew because he knew Shane Steichen's offense. So they could just teach Anthony Richardson and didn't have to worry about Gardner Minshew. And then when Gardner Minshew played, he was better than Richardson anyway. Guess what? They're still going back to Richardson when he's healthy. But like that was the whole thought process there from Indianapolis. We've seen this in some other places as well. I think it makes a lot of sense. So no, I I, I kind of disagree with that notion. I, I do think the identity of the coordinator does matter about which backup or or number two or whatever you want to call it one B guy to push picket that you want to bring in for that slot. And again, I think that's another one of those things where yeah, okay, the situation is messy right now. The comments from Deontay Johnson. Maybe there's a bit of a divide in the locker room. I actually don't believe that. I think if you asked Deontay Johnson to say very nice things about just about anybody in the universe, he would just do so <laughs> and and move on. He's not like a controversial person. I know he likes Mason. I know he's known him for a long time. It wouldn't surprise me if he preferred him, but I don't think there's any sort of like going to be bad feelings if it's not Mason there. Uh, guys just want to win. And so, but. You know, there's there are there are going to be bad feelings in the fan base. There already are, right? I mean, I just I think you avoid a lot of messiness if it's not Mason Rudolph. And at the same time, I don't think he's the best of the options that are available for them, just in terms of overall upside. There are clearly better quarterbacks out there. So I just have a hard time seeing it being him. I know Mike Tomlin said actually the nicest things that he said about Mason Rudolph all year in the press conference yeah. today. Uh, I just, I'm not sure I buy it. I think it makes too much sense for it to be someone else. We've talked about uh, the Sam Darnold thing, right? Like if they yeah. get Clint Kubiak from San Fran. Right. Yeah. Like, there you go. Perfect. If it's the enemy, Brissette. If it's uh, uh, Pep Hamilton, Tyrod Taylor, right? Like that's the kind of, I, I like there, there are a lot of those fits yeah. that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what he what he did talk about with Kenny, right? Like was was the confidence, like still belief in him. Um I don't know. Has, has your confidence wavered from year one to year two and going forward? Like, should this be in your mind, whether or not we knew that what the organization was going to do, they were gonna give him a shot in 2024. But in your mind, should that be the way that this is? Well, I mean, I think it's <sighs> I, we're just so conditioned for coaches to say stuff that we know is not true. They're like to say yeah. that you're more confident in Kenny Pickett right now than when you started doing business with them. It's just so blatantly, obviously wrong to anyone in the entire universe. I'm like, what are we? I get it. Like you, I guess, but like, yeah. no, no, no one is more confident in Kenny Pickett right now than they were in april of 2022 i doubt kenny pickett is more confident in kenny pickett right now than he was in april of 2022 and that doesn't mean that it's a lost cause and that doesn't mean that he can't become a good nfl quarterback but the idea that we're just yeah go get him ken we believe in you like what i don't know that's a lot of that's a lot of nonsense to me like how, how could you be that confident right now so in your mind, should this be Ken, a room of Kenny Pickett, um, whoever this free agent would be that we're talking about, like a veteran free agent and then a mid-round draft pick, is that enough in your mind? Should that be the plan of attack at quarterback? That's a good question. Um, it can be enough. It's not definitely enough. You know, it. you want to make it definitely enough, go spend the $20 million and get Kirk Cousins. 
Okay. Like that, that would definitely be enough. Yeah. If you don't want to do that because you want to sign a quarterback and draft a tackle and, you know, fix the rest of the team, then you do something that might be enough, right? You end up with Brissett or Tannehill or Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. So someone in that tier, right? Trade for Geno Smith. I actually really like that idea. Um, yeah. Especially like if they, if Shane Waldron, OC, Shane Wal- yeah, hire Smith. Shane Waldron and, and trade for Geno Smith. Yeah. I could, I could get them over that. Um, I just think you, I would be pretty confident in Geno Smith. Actually. I think that that would be enough. I'm not, I'm less sure about Shane Waldron. I really like Geno Smith. Um, I just don't think unless you're going to go get the money to get Mayfield cousins, you know, one of these guys that's right at the top of the available free, uh, free agent quarterbacks, then you're not assuring yourself that you've done enough at quarterback. You're leaving the chance that you didn't. And I think it is tough. And man, what a great answer to this question. I asked Mike Tomlin about a guy like Cam Hayward getting to the point mm-hmm. where he's not sure if he wants to continue to play. How much does that like weigh on you as a decision maker to be like, no, this has to be the year. Like we can't just keep getting a little bit better. Like there needs to be a jump. And he said, you know, that is something I, I feel deeply. And he said that not getting Marquise Pouncey a ring is his greatest professional regret. And I got to think like that happening to Cam Hayward would be right there. And so, mm-hmm. um, Man, that was that was a pretty powerful answer, and I think uh, I think if you want to do the best by Cam Hayward, then you go get the sure thing and not the maybe the right answer. I also really enjoy the fact that he just refers to winning the Super Bowl as confetti, the confetti game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but in your mind, like these bigger fish options that that like hearing him talk might not have seemed like they were on the table is that just them keeping their cards close to the vessel like is it possible that they do make a play like that and it's just obviously they wouldn't just come out and say it i think like trading for justin fields doesn't feel very realistic right like because like that's draft capital plus a guy who's not a sure thing anyway Mm -hmm. i just i don't know um Maybe like one of these top guys, the market turns out to be softer for than expected. I don't know. It just didn't seem like, man, when he was asked, do you think the 2024 quarterback is on the roster? And he just said, yes. Like, okay, if you're thinking about going to get Kirk Cousins, then the answer to that question can't be yes, right? Like, it just can't. So, I don't know. I I feel like. I feel like his words certainly lead me to to cross a couple of those guys off towards the top of that list, even though I'm not sure that's the the right call. And even, I mean, this is even further away from that because, you know, you could ask about the draft, but that's like, that's another question mark, obviously. There's no sure things. Uh, I don't get the sense that, like, quarterback in the first round is a realistic option. I'm Certainly day two, day three, um, you know, starts to become – a little clearer, but I, I, unless somebody that nobody expects to fall falls, I have a hard time seeing them use their first round pick on a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was there anything more about quarterback stuff? No, I think that pretty well covered the list. Okay. 
Um, I wanted to bring up Tomlin because obviously he started with the whole contract thing and then had to field some questions about the contract. More comfortable answering uh, contract questions in this setting, according to himself. Um, but it, it sounds like an extension is coming, which we fully expected. Um, could it be like obviously we don't know how how soon that's going to happen. There's times where it goes into into training camp and he could sign one there or whatever. But this is fully what you expected to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, there was no chance that he was coming back and not getting a contract extension. I don't think that it means that they're necessarily tied to him for the length of it. It's just a necessary part of doing business. You can't have a head coach who's on an expiring contract and be trying to sign an offensive coordinator, be trying to sign free agents. It's just it's it's the way business is done. That doesn't mean that there's real stability there, but at least looks like there's real stability there. And it lets people be willing to sign on that line. You heard from guys like TJ Watt about how much they care about playing for Mike Tomlin. Certainly that is an asset when the team goes into free agency. So, I mean, I just, there was no, there, there, in my mind, there was no way that he wasn't coming back and signing an extension unless he didn't want to. And it certainly seems like he does. So, you know, my guess is that gets taken care of. The timing of it, I don't know, but right, they'll be yeah. able to at least tell people, it's getting done. Don't worry about it. It always gets done. You know, it'll happen. The offensive coordinator thing specifically, somebody asked about like, would it, is it going to be harder or would it be harder to bring in an offensive coordinator if you didn't have an extension in place? Yeah, it would be nearly impossible. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to say actually impossible because there are always guys, but like, you're not going to get the best candidates if you're talking about a head coach on a one-year deal. And what is and what is the reason for that? Because I, I, I'll let you answer that, and then I'll bring up one other thing that I thought about. Well, look at what happened with Eric Bieniemy in Washington now, right? Like, okay, so he was the guy, like the mm -hmm. most sought-after offensive coordinator, and he wants to be a head coach, okay? So his head coach gets fired. Okay, He's still under contract. Now he's got to wait the entire time while Washington hires – a new head coach, then that new head coach is going to probably interview other candidates to see if he wants to keep the enemy or not. And then by the time they, if, if the new Washington coach decides four weeks from now that he doesn't want Eric Bieniemy as his offensive coordinator, all the jobs are going to be filled. Like you mm -hmm. never want to be stuck as a coordinator with a contract that's longer than your head coach. Like, that's not the way you want it. You want to be there with the guy. Hey, if you got to fire us, fire us all. Like, you don't want to be in that that situation. And so I think uh, I, I think that guys would avoid that. And look, to, to tell Mike Tomlin you're going to coach out the last year of his contract is a very, very, very strong sign that you are not re-signing him afterwards. Like, so what would be the point of me wanting to be an offensive coordinator to sign a three-year contract with that team? Like, I just, I wouldn't. Because what's going to happen after year one? Like, I, you know, it, it's pretty obvious at that point that they intend to move on if they don't sign into an extension. Yeah, well, especially in that Washington case with the enemy, like, I don't know, they're making it seem like all signs point to Ben Johnson being the guy there after they got the GM right. bringing for San Fran, which, yeah, he ain't, he's taking that offense. That's his offense. Uh, so the enemy wouldn't be part of his plans. Right, exactly.
So now he's going to be out. Look, maybe this will work out for the Steelers. Maybe Eric Bieniemy gets away late in the process, and they're just like, yoink, thank you. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that most offensive coordinators are going to want to sign up for that. So the only thing that I was going to bring up, like I said, I wanted to get your answer, and then I thought of one thing, would be what if you brought in this coordinator uh, with, and this is like, would an organization ever take this leap with the assumption that they would take over as the head coach when the head coach has moved on for like an aspiring contract for Tomlin, obviously the one year and then the coordinator takes over. I think succession plans can work, but I think it would have to be a unique relationship between the head coach and that person. Like, Mm -hmm. would that work for, I'm like, I can't like, okay. If Byron Leftwich was like a lot closer to being a realistic head coach candidate, like yeah. something like that. Right. Okay. Like where, Oh, Mike, you really like this guy. He's qualified to be an offensive coordinator. We think he can be a head coach, hire him here, you know, let him get, take a shot. Yeah, th- There you go. I can see it. It just is about that relationship because Tomlin's going to have to go along with it for it to work. And I mm-hmm. just don't know how many guys, that are out there that would be legitimate head coach candidates in one year are on the Steelers offensive coordinator radar. Like I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain to think of someone. No, you know what I actually thought about would be if they were looking for a defensive coordinator, although he's a defensive coordinator. So would he make that lateral move would be Beeflo coming back. Yeah. Or like someone like Raheem Morris, you know, uh, he mm-hmm. has worked with Tomlin yeah. in the past, you know, something like that. Y- yeah. But those guys are but, yeah, an offense coordinators, right? Yeah. I mean, Hmm. Interesting. Um, anything else from the Tomlin contract perspective side of things? No, I mean, that was pretty, pretty standard. He was very forceful and said that he never told anyone that he was thinking of stepping away and that all that reporting oh, yeah, was right. nonsense. So, um, take him at his word. He seemed angry about it. I, I believe him. I think it, Certainly uh, leads us to question how much faith we should put into Jay Glazer's reporting about Mike Tomlin going forward, because it sure seems like we all got kind of uh, led astray there, right? Is it, or is this what Tomlin wanted the entire time? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no. There, there was a lot that was said today by Mike Tomlin. It might not actually take us more than just this episode to cover it, but we got some time still left on this episode. Is there anything else specifically that you wanted to touch on today? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot there. I don't know. Why don't you just pick a spot and we'll kind of go around the team and let me know what you what you came up with. Okay. I always think it's really interesting when like players are highlighted individually. Um, And there was a couple instances of that, especially when he closed out talking about the punter situation with Presley Harvin. And we, that was one of the things that we talked about yesterday. So I figured we could circle back on it. Uh, Yeah. I don't think that he should be very secure in his position going into 2024 Presley Harvin. No, no, that was about as, critical of a player yeah. as you're going to hear a coach be in that him step. and DeMarvin Leal. I felt like pretty critical of. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with both of those. Um, those are the last two questions. And I, I really felt like I needed to ask about Leal because I talked to Marv in the locker room on, I guess that was Tuesday and I got a story coming up and I wanted to get Tomlin's thoughts there, but sure seems like that was a waste of a draft pick and things aren't working out. Um, and maybe you could say that for both of them. I don't know. 
I do think the Steelers are a little higher on Harvin than the world is in general, but given that comment, you got to think somebody is coming in as significant competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other players that he highlighted individually was asked, obviously, about, you know, Najee Harris's fifth year option. Pretty noncommittal on that, although, you know, he was complimentary of Najee's play himself, acknowledged, you know, three years, thousand yard rusher. Um, any any insight on that and, and the way that that could go? Which direction? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that Mike Tomlin would give him that fifth year extension right now. I'm a lot less sure about what Omar Khan thinks about that. And he's the guy. Hmm with the purse strings so we'll see what what makes you say that about omar just his knowledge of positional value the way other teams do business like giving like just giving Najee that fifth year extension is a very old Steelers way to do business and this definitely feels like an area where omar's gonna say hang on a second we're gonna give how much money to a running back uh Mm -hmm. that's all guaranteed is there something else we can do? And so I, I don't know. I can I can see that I can see that playing out differently than maybe Mike even envisions right now. Gotcha. Okay. Uh Pat Fryermuth, Mike Tomlin highlighted as somebody that he thought he stepped up up in like a leadership perspective. Did you feel that way as the year went on? It's interesting because Pat's not like a super serious guy. You know, I think if you've Mm -hmm. seen like what he does on video and you you can kind of pick up on that. And I think um, it's hard, right, when you're not like naturally a super serious person to find a voice when you want to be taken seriously. Um, I've kind of had to deal with this myself in the like my... My social media is a lot of me like trolling the fans and being a, like a jerk and a like a wise guy and making memes. And then all of a sudden I've got a report on like, oh, somebody got arrested or something bad happened. And you've got to be able to find a voice uh, when you need to be an adult. And that doesn't mean that you can't have fun. It's sports. It's supposed to be fun. And I really feel like Pat found that voice this year as a guy that can be loosey goosey and can be a good time. And, and, you know, somebody that everybody likes being around, but also like find the words and the, and the, and the voice to say important things when they need to be said and to be heard. Uh, I, I really think that he did uh, come a long way in that regard. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the lack of leadership on the offensive side of the football, and it'd be nice if you have a guy like that be able to step into that role. Now, obviously, like, you know, contract has to play into that, too. Is he going to be around long enough to be able to take on that type of role? Um, but- Man, I wrote about this, uh, I think, Monday night, no, Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have any idea what day of the week it is. I, I've just <laughs> I've lost my North Star. They didn't play any Sunday games. Now I don't have any games. I just, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's going to be a really tough evaluation for them because you look at his numbers and it's like, eh, and then, but he was hurt and the offense stunk around him and they hardly used him. Like how much is Pat Farmuth worth? I think is a very difficult yeah. question as he enters the last year of his contract and they get to that negotiation phase. Uh, I I'm not envious of, of Omar and Pat's agent here because, I think this is tricky. I'm not saying there's going to be problems. I just think it's a difficult evaluation to make. Yeah. 
I 100% agree. Um, and then George Pickens, I wanted to bring up as well, said there's a lot of meat left on the bone, but he appreciated the way that he came along. Obviously, a lot of things happened this year off the field for George uh, that were part of this conversation and why this question was asked. Yeah, I mean, sort of a backhanded compliment, right? Like, yeah, he got better, but, you know. Uh, there's a lot of meat left on the bone, yeah. There's still a long yeah. way to go. I think they very much see George as a work in progress and and someone who needs continual development. I you think know, that's a good uh, way to put it. Is it's it's always going to be a work in progress. I feel like though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a it's a. How about this? It's a work that needs progress. Okay. <laughs> how about that? You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's always working on it, but uh, there, there's some areas of attention that remain there. I think is is the uh, is the main takeaway there. Sure, absolutely. Okay, well, uh, good stuff. Uh, we can revisit tomorrow again. You know, there is enough. We still here. have names uh, to play back or not back. Although now mm -hmm. I think we can. Maybe we just need to reset the whole thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I agree, but I don't yeah, know that I changed my mind. Did you change your any of your your back or not backs based on uh, Tomlin today? Um, hmm. Well, I think we could add the Marvin Lee out of the list. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, the one that, like, I'm, I mean, I'm still on the fence about. I was a no yesterday. Still might be a no, but maybe more in like the 51 to 49. No, is Mason. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think everything else I'd definitely stay the same with. Yeah, I think so too. I don't. I don't think I really changed any of my my opinions. And uh, keep the comments coming, and uh, let yes. us know what you guys think. Absolutely. I want to tell the people where they can find you at a Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter. PGH Steelers now. SteelersNow.com. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's Mike Tomlin's apology uh, and joke at the start of his uh, press availability up there. Uh, one video up on the YouTube channel here. Uh, check that out. And uh, got all kinds of stuff planned for the offseason here at Steelers Now. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, hit us in the comments. And yeah, absolutely subscribe. We're seven subscribers away from 11,000. So be I like sure that. to do that. That's a good way to end the season here, 11,000. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I, give us a five-star review as well if you're listening somewhere else, whether that's Apple, Spotify, wherever it might be. We're not just on YouTube. Uh, I'm Zachary Smith, PGH, for Alan Saunders and myself. Thanks for jumping in. Take another ride on the Steelers' afternoon drive. <laughs>